Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama. Welcome to the Budget Kitchen series. I'm Chris, your host, former personal chef, and mama on a budget. This is the second series on eating on a budget. The last was all about shopping on a budget, and this series is all about cooking and eating on a budget. Yes, shopping on a budget is important, and I'll link all four episodes in that series in the show notes, but if you're not planning, stocking, and cooking in a budget-friendly way, you might still find yourself going over budget month after month, and that's exactly what I want to help you with with this series. And with skyrocketing food prices, there really is no better time to start learning how to eat well on a budget. This series is designed to help you create a budget-friendly kitchen, whatever your unique budget might be. So let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to part three in the Budget Kitchen series. You guys, I am loving sharing all of these tips with all of you. I don't know if there is a cooking topic I am more passionate about than eating well on a budget. So in the first episode of this series, I gave you guys a little quiz, teen magazine style, and I asked you to assess how budget-friendly your kitchen is now. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back and you just take some stock of whether or not your kitchen is budget-friendly now. And even if it is, you are definitely going to get some budget-friendly cooking hacks in this episode. In last episode, I talked about, or the last episode of this series, I talked all about how to be budget-minded when it comes to meal planning. Meal planning is king when it comes to maintaining a budget. And so I gave some tips on how to start meal planning, how to utilize the ingredients that you have on hand, how to utilize leftovers, plan using similar ingredients, so many tips on being budget-minded when it comes to meal planning. So definitely check that episode out if you haven't already. Whether or not you're a seasoned meal planner, I think there will be some tips for you on becoming more budget-minded when it comes to your meal plan. And today, I am excited to dive into the kitchen. So we're going to open the kitchen door, we're going to step in, and we're going to start cooking. And we're going to talk about budget-minded cooking hacks. 
So I'm going to give you some solid advice for when it comes to actually cooking food, how we can maintain the two most important things when it comes to being budget-minded and having a budget kitchen. Number one is to avoid food waste, and number two is to save in any way that we can. I don't believe that being budget-friendly when it comes to the way that you eat needs to feel restrictive in any way, shape, or form. It's just about being strategic. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Tip number one cook enough, but not too much. So this is an important tip for anyone who feels like they are constantly overrun with leftovers. There is such a thing as overcooking. If you are constantly throwing away leftovers, then there are a couple things that you can do to avoid throwing away food at the end of the week, which is throwing away money. And so that would be either utilizing those leftovers so you can have a leftovers day and eat those leftovers or you can freeze those leftovers. But if you find yourself again constantly feeling like you're throwing away leftovers at the end of the week, then you might be overcooking. So looking at recipes when you're choosing them for your meal plan, and making sure that you are maintaining recipes that are right for your family size. And everyone's family size is different. And even if you're a family of four, you might not eat a meal that is designed for four to six, or you might be opposite and you might actually eat more. So just looking at how many servings the recipe has and understanding how you can adjust recipes. And that can be as simple as just understanding simple kitchen conversions and downloading a kitchen conversion chart and just understanding those kitchen conversions um, can really be helpful in being able to cut a recipe in half if you find yourself eating too much or just being strategic with those leftovers, like I said, by having a leftovers day, using them for lunch or freezing them for a later meal. So cooking enough but not too much is tip number one. Tip number two is related to this. If you do want to utilize your leftovers, cooking once and using the ingredients twice is a great way to save money. Cooking a big batch of quinoa and using quinoa in bowls for one recipe and then using it in a casserole or a quinoa salad for another night. Same thing with beans or meat. You can cook the same ingredient and use it in more than one meal. This is a great way to save money and to use up what you have other than just having a leftovers night, especially if you're someone who doesn't love leftovers, but you are willing to use the same ingredient more than once. Tip number three. I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Save your odds and ends. Save the ends of carrots and the ends of onions and the ends of celery. And if you're using any, if you're making any sort of soups or stews, you probably have those lying around. Put them in a Ziploc bag or we like the silicone stasher bags. We've got a big gallon size one that we'll keep in the freezer and add those odds and ends. We wash them ahead of time, pop them in that bag, and we can use those for stock. Things like broccoli stems can be used for soups, especially pureed soups. Um, any sort of fruits or vegetables that are kind of on their last leg that they might not be super appealing to eat, but they're, they haven't gone bad or moldy or anything like that can be utilized in soups. Smoothies are also a great way to use your odds and ends. I mentioned the tops of strawberries in uh, two episodes ago in the first episode in this series. You can use those in smoothies. There are so many odds and ends you can use in smoothies, especially if you have a high-speed blender like a Vitamix or a Blendtec or a Ninja. 
I don't think you need to go and buy an expensive blender to be a budget-minded cook, but it is very helpful for making things like pureed smoothies or pureed soups. And so saving your odds and ends and using those, you can even, you can shred things like broccoli stems and add them to salads. I don't know why broccoli stems is what's on my mind, but there are so many different ways that you can utilize those odds and ends. So don't throw them out. Use them. Tip number four goes along with tip number three, and that's to make your own broth. Broth is expensive. When you think about all the all it is is scraps and water, essentially. It's either bones and vegetables and water, or it's vegetables and herbs, maybe some garlic and water, and it's just simmered on low. Or you can even make it in the Instant Pot if you have the Instant Pot. Making your own broth is a great way to save money because you can make a huge batch of it, store it in your fridge or freezer. Broth stays in the fridge for about a week. It'll stay in your freezer for about two to three months. If you are going to freeze in glass, though, just a quick tip, make sure you have two two inches of space at the top because liquids expand. Uh, Otherwise, you will have a shattered glass situation, and that is not great. Um, And obviously, if you're going to use something like plastic, just wait until it cools down um, to put it in the plastic, and then you want to make sure everything is cooled completely, whether it's a soup or broth or something like that, before you put it in the freezer for food safety. So making your own broth, huge hack you're going to save a ton of money because, I mean, even the most inexpensive broths are still like $1.99 for what would be pennies if you made it yourself. And I won't lie, I don't make my own broth every single time. Uh, I will buy the inexpensive broth from Trader Joe's to have on hand, but more often than not, I save my chicken bones and I add carrot, celery, and onion, garlic, whatever herbs I have on hand. You can use herbs that are on their last leg as well and make your own broth that way. Tip number five, save pesto, leftover pesto, and leftover tomato paste by freezing them in ice cube trays. So you can spoon or squeeze tomato paste that you haven't used because who uses a whole jar of tomato paste at once or pesto into ice cube trays. My favorite are silicone ice cube trays. They're very inexpensive and they are going to save you so much money. So they're definitely worth picking up for like $5 or so on Amazon. And you can add them to, and oh, by the way, the ones that I have, I, I'm, I will link them in the show notes, but they're actually made for baby food. And they're, so they're larger ice cubes because they're, they're actually, you know, supposed to be for baby food and they are great and they hold a good amount of pesto as much as I would probably use in a maybe half a pot of pasta. And so I can put a couple cubes in and you can put them directly to the hot pasta and they'll melt in when it comes to pesto tomato paste, you can take that frozen tomato paste cube and add it directly to your soup, your stew, your skillet, whatever it might be. So save those in ice cube trays and then you can either leave them in the ice cube tray or you can pop them out like I do and store them in Ziploc bags. Tip number six, shred your own cheese. Shredded cheese is really expensive for what it is. They do add some anti-caking agents so it doesn't stick together. So if that is an effect that you're going for in whatever meal that you're making, yes, your shredded cheese is going to stick together if you keep it in a baggie in the fridge. But if you're using it on top of a casserole or something like that, then it's not a big deal, especially if you're using it for something like macaroni and cheese. You actually don't want to use the pre-shredded cheese because of those anti-caking agents. It'll make it really like gummy, and that is not something anyone wants in their macaroni and cheese, at least not me. So shredding your own cheese from blocks of cheese will save you a ton of money, and you can freeze that shredded cheese and use it again in the same way um, on top of casseroles or things like that. So that's a great way to save money because blocks of cheese are way less expensive than pre-shredded cheese. 
a good rule of thumb when it comes to looking for or, or I guess guessing whether an item is less expensive versus more expensive expensive is whether or not it's been processed in any way. So pre-chopped vegetables, pre-canned items. Canned items can be inexpensive, but something like beans that have already been cooked and canned are going to be more expensive than the beans that are dried. So the more preparation you have to do, the less expensive it typically is. That doesn't mean it needs to be hard or complicated. I'll talk about this in a minute, but you doing the processing yourself is going to save you the money because that is where they can add those extra dollar signs to it, (laughs) those extra pennies to it, because they had to do the process. It had to go through some sort of processing. Tip number seven, make your own sauces and dressings. This is another area, again, with the processing, where not only is it great in terms of eating less processed food, which is a great way to just eat healthier overall, avoiding those additives where we don't know the effect, or sometimes we do know the negative effects that they have on our body. So you can make your own sauces. You can make your own barbecue sauce very easily at home. You can make your own ranch dressing very easily at home if you're a ranch dressing fan. You can make your own vinaigrettes at home. You can make your own mayonnaise at home. You can make your own aioli at home. There are so many. Oh, yogurt sauce, peanut sauce, curry sauce, tomato sauce. There are so many sauces and dressings that you can make at home. And oftentimes you can either freeze them or they store in your fridge for quite some time. So This is a great way to save money, especially when it comes to something that might be more expensive. Like we love avocado oil mayonnaise and that is expensive in the store. And yes, it does use quite a bit of avocado oil. But for comparison, when I buy avocado oil mayonnaise because I need the convenience, it's about $7.99 at my local health food store. And my the whole bottle of avocado oil is $7.99 at Trader Joe's. And all I need is an egg and some salt and a little bit of vinegar. Um, and eggs are pennies. And I only use about a third of the bottle of avocado oil to make that mayonnaise myself. So I can basically make three jars of mayonnaise for one for the price of one when I'm making it myself. So those type of things really truly do add up, especially if you are wanting that higher quality item, making it yourself when it comes to salad dressings or like I said, mayonnaise, barbecue sauce, things like that uh, can really save a ton of money. Something like a tomato sauce, learning what you love about a tomato sauce might just be reading the ingredient list of some of your favorite tomato sauces and experimenting with ratios and making a big batch maybe when tomatoes are in season in the summer depending on where you live and either I mean you could can it if you want to I'm not someone who's into canning um, but you could at least freeze them that's I am a freezer girl all the way because uh, even though I, I know how to can in jar it still kind of freaks me out a little bit so I am not someone who has a huge actually I don't even have a pantry I literally just have a shelf currently so I'm not someone who has a huge pantry full of like canned items and I'm telling you that that's what you have to do to eat on a budget I am the exact opposite (laughs) I'm like here's how we can eat on a budget without having to do anything super fancy tip number eight is another DIY make your own spice blends now there are some blends that I just love. Everything but the bagel seasoning is one I love. And you guys, I need to start making it myself because it is so easy. It's literally just dried garlic, dried onions, poppy seeds, sesame seeds, white and black sesame seeds actually is what it is, uh, and salt. 
super easy. I can totally make that myself. I make my own taco seasoning. I make my own fajita seasoning. So many of these seasoning blends are really easy to make. I make a coffee barbecue rub, and they're way less expensive than you would buy at the store. Spices are expensive. So um, another quick tip that I is not actually a part of this, but here's a bonus tip for you, is to buy your spices in bulk. Buying your spices in bulk is going to save you a ton of money because those jars cost money and just refilling your jars. And then in the same vein, making your own spice blends with those bulk spices will save you money in that way as well. And then you can also adjust things like spice level to your own family's preferences. I know that my family, my kids especially, are not super into spicy foods. And so I can make a really mild taco seasoning and then we can use that. And then my husband and I can add some extra hot sauce or something like that on there as well. Tip number nine, cook your own grains and beans. So something that's become really popular lately um, as a convenience food item, and I'm not knocking convenience food items. I have a whole series on Instagram about how to use convenience items to make healthy meals. I think that this is an important skill to have, and I do think there's a time and a place for convenience foods. However, a trend that I've seen a lot is using those frozen packs of grains from like Trader Joe's and places like that, microwaving them. Which is fine, friends, but it is so much more expensive. Those packs are like $4. Do you know how much rice or quinoa you could make for $4? Way more than you could eat in a couple of meals. So I want you to consider sometimes convenience wins, but more often than not, how can you plan ahead and simply utilize something like a rice cooker? Is Rice cooker is one of my favorite tools. It is definitely one of my favorite budget-friendly tools because they're really inexpensive. You can get one for less than $20 on Amazon. You don't need the fancy one. My husband is Japanese and his family they some of his family members have fancy ones some of them have not fancy ones i feel like the rice is always good as long as you know how to cook rice um but you can also use the rice cooker for other grains like quinoa or millet as well the instant pot is also a great tool if you have it for grains and beans as well um, pressure cooking beans also helps with their digestibility if that's something that concerns you so cooking grains and beans Oh my gosh, it is pennies compared to buying the pre-cooked or the pre-canned. And again, I've said this before, pre-canned beans are not expensive either. It's a great option for a less expensive dinner. However, if you cook them yourself, you're saving even more. Uh, another quick tip is you could double what you're what you would need for that recipe, cook double, and then freeze half of it. And then you have basically your own pre-cooked beans or, you know, canned, but it's frozen, um, ready to go whenever you need to use them. So, and they work great in any sort of dish. Beans freeze beautifully. I freeze them flat. So I put them in a Ziploc bag when they've cooled. I freeze them flat on a sheet pan and uh, they just stay flat in my freezer. They're great. Tip number 10, store fresh herbs in water to save them longer. So I chop the ends off of my herbs. I add about I fill about half of a mason jar up with water, add the ends of the herbs just like a plant, and put a loose baggie over the top. And this works for parsley, it works for dill, it works for cilantro, it works for mint, and they will last so much longer. Fresh herbs are a great way to add a pop of flavor to your meals, and they're generally not that expensive. But if you're buying three bunches a week, usually they're about $1.99 or so, sometimes less, 99 cents to $1.99. That's pretty significant, where you could if you're buying it a few times a week, you could just buy them once a week if they 
are actually lasting you the whole week or maybe even a couple of weeks. My herbs, we use them often, so they don't typically last longer than that, but it's a great tip to maintain your herbs. Remember, it's important to avoid food waste as much as it is to work on saving. Tip number 11, cook items that stretch. So this is items like soups, stews, chilies, casseroles, pasta salad, any item, especially items that have inexpensive filler type items. So the base is a grain like a quinoa or a pasta or items with beans like a chili. So these inexpensive filler items tend to stretch these meals further so you can use them for leftovers. You can freeze half of them for leftovers um, and they're just going to last you longer. You can also use them for leftovers for lunches as well. I know I've mentioned leftovers a ton, but it's such a good tip as long as you're actually utilizing them and not throwing them away. So these are great ways to cook, um, to utilize the, sim- the same ingredients twice cooking items that stretch. Another tip to cook an item that stretches, if you're not a huge fan of things like casseroles, we're not huge fans. We have a couple casseroles we enjoy, but I would prefer, and I do, use larger pieces of meat that stretch further. So I love to do something like one of my go-tos is a whole chicken, or I'll also cook a bunch of chicken in the Instant Pot to shred. So that's not a larger piece of meat, but that is a way of cooking more and using it more than once. So I'll cook a whole chicken and use that in a couple different meals. And the same thing with a roast or um, either a beef roast or pork for pulled pork, something like that. You can utilize that in so many different ways. Pork, for example, you can make pulled pork. You can make pulled pork sandwiches. You can make pulled pork on top of sweet potatoes. You can do barbecue sauce or not barbecue sauce. You can do a, oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, pulled pork tacos. There are so many different things you can do. I thought I had a dozen ideas in my head. And if if I wasn't put on the spot, I could think of more. <laughs> but there, you can make a soup with that pork. There are so many different ways that you can use that. So utilizing a larger piece of meat that stretches longer is a great way to save a little bit of money because those types of meat tend to be a little bit less expensive as well. And that brings me to tip number 12. This is an important tip. The best places that you can save money when it comes to having a budget-friendly kitchen are with your meat and with your produce, okay? So be choosy about your proteins. Actually, I shouldn't say meat. I should say your proteins and your produce. So be choosy about your proteins. This is where a lot of people's food budget just tends to add up. So choosing cuts of meat that are less expensive. Choose chicken thighs instead of chicken breast. Bone in instead of boneless items. If you don't like the bone, take it out. It actually adds more flavor. Cheaper cuts of steak like flank steak or flat iron steak versus your filet mignon or your ribeye. You can marinate these to have a more tender meat if you're worried that it's going to be too tough. Choosing ground meat of any sort. Ground chicken is kind of expensive, but choosing ground meat is going to be less expensive than a lot of the whole cuts of meat as well or steaks, things like that. Fattier cuts of meat um, and then cuts on the bone, like I mentioned, tend to be less expensive. If you're worried about the fat content, you can just cut off the excess or you can drain it once it's cooked. So if you get like the 80% beef, which tends to be less expensive than 85 or 90%, then you can just drain that extra fat and then you have meat that is less fatty. Easy. Again, this doesn't need to be complicated. It's just about being strategic. So being choosy about your proteins is huge. But that's where it comes to meat. Tip number 13 is to eat meat-free one day a week. Now, if you're vegetarian, then you're already living this tip. Um, This, In this case, if you are vegetarian, rather than eating meat-free, 
go for more plant-based and less mock meats because mock meats tend to be expensive. So if you tend to eat mock meats more often, um, then choose something like beans as your protein or lentils as your protein or tofu or tempeh are also very inexpensive rather than those mock meats like the impossible meat or the corn chicken, something like that. So eating meat-free even just one day a week, if not more, especially if it's one day a week and you have leftovers another day, this can really save you a ton of money. I can't even tell you how much this will save you in the long term because meat is expensive. So is fish. Fish is great and it's so good for you. But I don't mention fish a lot. It is, you can choose less expensive cuts of fish because it totally depends on what part of the world you are in, what part of the states you're in, if you're in the states, what part of Canada you're in, if you're like in the the smack middle of the country in either of those countries, the fish tends to be more expensive. You can save with things like frozen fish um, or any sort of frozen seafood. That's a great way. Um, but meat and fish are expensive. So eating meat free one day a week is going to save you money for sure. Tip number 14. Don't discount frozen vegetables. Now, I just mentioned frozen seafood. That's another way to use frozen items. But frozen vegetables are a great tool to have on hand. First of all, you can keep them on hand and have vegetables, quick vegetables for any meal. And that's always great. Um, But they're also, they tend to be great quality because they're frozen at their peak ripeness or their peak freshness. I guess ripeness is usually for fruit. Um, But frozen vegetables can be pretty inexpensive and a quick, easy way to have vegetables on hand. Now, they're not always the least expensive option. Usually items in season are going to be less expensive than the frozen items, but you can also buy seasonal items. And that's not even a tip that I mentioned here, but it's definitely one that's important. Um, We'll talk about that more actually in the next episode. But you can buy those in-season items and freeze them, and that is a way that you can actually maintain less expensive frozen vegetables. Um, But frozen vegetables can be a great tool. There are several recipes we like to use frozen vegetables for. I have a choose-your-own-adventure curry where I make the curry sauce, and I keep that on hand. And then I use frozen vegetables as the vegetables in that recipe. I'll also oftentimes add a sweet potato, which is also inexpensive. Um, And then I also will do a shrimp fried rice with frozen vegetables. So there's lots of ways that you could use frozen vegetables. You can even roast vegetables from frozen as well. We use frozen corn in several different recipes. Um, My daughter is sensitive to corn, so we don't do a ton of corn, but it is a great frozen vegetable as well. We use frozen peas in shepherd's pie. We use frozen peas in several different soups. And so there's a great, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different options there when it comes to frozen veggies. Oh, frozen spinach is great in smoothies. It's also great. Um, I have a one pan chicken, spinach, an artichoke orzo skillet meal that is actually going to be a part of the budget kitchen recipe series uh all of these oh my gosh all of these recipes i just shared they're all a part of it so sneak peek on some of the recipes that are going to be a part of the budget kitchen recipes book that's coming out at the end of the month um but that's another recipe that my family really enjoys and that uses a whole bag of frozen spinach a can of artichokes so super budget friendly ingredients so don't discount frozen veggies. And tip number 15, this is an important one, and I wanted to make sure that I mention this specifically. You don't need to sacrifice food quality or food preferences. Like I mentioned, the avocado oil mayonnaise, it's important to us that we eat or that we utilize good quality cooking and dressing oils. And that doesn't mean we sacrifice quality 
It means that we choose where it's important to prioritize when it comes to saving and when it comes to spending. So this is up to you. Just like your budget is up to you, all of these cooking hacks are here to help you to save a little bit, to avoid that food waste, and to just have a more budget-friendly kitchen to reduce the amount that you're throwing out and wasting that money or just save a little bit. But it's up to you to prioritize where you might want to spend a little bit more. It's totally okay if there are certain items you want to spend a little bit more on. Don't feel like you you know, have to use every single one of these tips and you have to save as much money as you can and shop only at discount grocery stores in order to maintain a budget-friendly kitchen. It's about what your budget is and what is important to you. So I wanted to finish off with that when it comes to budget-minded cooking hacks. I think it's a hack that do what works for you. Take these tips, do what works, and run with it. In the next episode, the last episode in this series, again, there's going to be so many more tips in the Budget Kitchen Guide coming out at the end of the month. But in the next episode, I'm going to give you 10 tips to maintain a budget-friendly kitchen. Today, we talked about budget-minded cooking hacks, and next week, we're going to talk about how to maintain that budget-friendly kitchen. Again, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes in this series, definitely go back and listen on budget-minded meal planning and take our little quiz on how budget-friendly your kitchen is now. And as always, please reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know if you love this episode. Let me know what you loved about it. Let me know what tips are working for for you. And if you have any other tips that I didn't mention, I would love to hear them and feature them over on my Healthy Mama Budget Instagram account and the Healthy Mama Meal Planning community. Thank you again, as always, for listening to this episode. I am so grateful that you are here. I love sharing these tips with all of you, and I hope that you will come back next week for the next episode. I'll talk to you then. Are you loving this series? Then you are going to love my brand new budget kitchen guide and recipe books launching at the end of the month. I'm asked over and over again for advice on feeding families on a budget and not just feeding our families, but feeding our families well. And in this world of inflation and skyrocketing food prices, there's no better time to learn how you can make your kitchen a budget friendly one, no matter what your budget might be. Head to bit.ly slash bkwaitlist or click the link in the show notes to get on the waitlist for exclusive sneak peeks, early access, and list-only bonuses. That's bit.ly slash bkwaitlist to get on the list for the Budget Kitchen Guide and Recipe Books launching at the end of the month. Thank you for listening to my podcast.